creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, April 10th, the year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, down there in Orlando, Florida. Our illustrious producer, Chandler String, is out on assignment today. We, we right. sent him out for supplies. Uh, we know we, <laughs> it, was, we, it was an essential service. We sent him out for toilet paper two days ago and uh, are concerned that he has not returned, much less. And and we're concerned about him, but the toilet paper situation is getting there's, critically low. There's, there's <laughs> compounded concerns over here. It's fine. It's fine. We've, got, we've, everything, we've gotten creative. Everything is fine, but Chandler, please return soon. You had very specific <laughs> orders for... 24 rolls <laughs> and you're nowhere to be found so that's concerning up there in Loveland, virginia our friend jesse carey is doing double duty today as both our friend and our confidant and also you're going to be serving jesse as kind of like an an illustrious producer adjacent role today that's right that you're going to have to fulfill right. the usual chandler role of hitting the bleep button for the, I mean, it's the a, PG-13 it's a lot, content. It's a lot of hats, and I'm very uncomfortable wearing most of them, but I will do it. I will do it. This is... I, I've said that th- today is truly podcasting. This is tightrope walking without a net. Uh-huh. You know, This is when Nick Walinda does his cable special. <laughs> like, I, as long-time listeners of the show know, uh, uh, I'm a big-time fan of Nick Walinda, the tightrope walker who does primetime TV specials, but there's a big difference in his specials. Yeah, half Half of, you know, part of some of them are like on network TV, you know, the big the big three. They're like on mm-hmm. ABC and he's walking mm-hmm. over like a volcano or Niagara Falls. But if, when he does it on network TV, he has like a little he has a safety device on him. <laughs> like he he's got this like tether that tethers his waist to the rope. So worst case scenario, he falls and just pulls himself up on the rope like it really takes sort of the thrill out of it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I. Yeah, but if you watch him on cable, like if that's he does, a, 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 that's the stuff right there. If he's on Discovery or TLC, which, you know, remember when TLC used to be the learning channel and now it's like about now most of the shows are about gigantic pimples being popped in real time or botched cosmetic surgeries. They also do very dangerous Nick Walenda specials. All that to say is today we are Nick Walenda on cable. No net, folks. No net. We are we are looking down at the mouth of the volcano and we are eyes forward, eyes forward across this rope. What's the what's the free solo? What's that guy's name? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the mountain, yeah, the mountain climber, yeah, that which is that was Walenda esque, but I feel like mm-hmm. here's what I feel like, and this okay, is gonna I want to hear the 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 Nick Walenda take. The Nick Walenda take <laughs> is that I feel like, and to do this take correctly, I do have to, I do have to uh, look up the free solo guy's name because it's gonna okay. be important. I can't just call him the free solo guy. Yeah, Alex Honnold, Alex okay. Honnold. I feel like he is he is Nick Walenda, but he's not. But whereas Walenda sort of Walenda sort of the dancing pony to his like racehorse mentality, 
I feel like Willenda is like that. He he wants the he wants the crowds. He wants the attention. Wants the fame. He'll, yeah, he'll, 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 the, he'll do his he's, song and dance. He's the he's the dressage uh-huh, to exactly. the the other dude's wild stallion. Is what you're saying? Exactly. He he doesn't. He would do this with or without a camera around him, and has many times done this yeah, without yeah. a camera around him. He just yeah, he probably mountains. he probably prefers it. He probably prefers mm-hmm. just climbing the sh- a sheer rock face and risking his life for no one to see. Like can, that's probably preferential. You can tell him. how uncomfortable he is with cameras because like whenever he because he had to go to like oscars you know to win his yeah to accept the yeah. oscar for documentary and he did not they're all dressed in like the tom ford and everything and he is just not he's not he's got the it. Ca- he's got the carabiners he's got the nalgene <laughs> bottle he is <laughs> i'm pretty sure if people don't know what we're talking about it's an incredible movie i believe it's on disney plus yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's an incredible movie. Hey, I want to talk about something else real quick, Tyler, before, sure. you know, what, t- why don't you tell people who's on okay. the show? Yeah, then yeah, I got, yeah, I got yeah. another, you, you gave us your, your Nick Willen hot take that yeah. he's the dressage of stuntmen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have another take that's equally as sizzling hot about something else, but I, hey, I'll let you introduce the show first. Well, if you stick, if you make it through our hot takes, which is going to be no mean feat because they're coming fast and they're going to cause a lot of people to just turn off turn off the podcast and outrage. If you can survive all that, we are going to have a conversation that was really excellent with our friend, Ashley Elan. Uh, she's a leader, pastor, writer, and Bible teacher who, uh, who says she exists to join God in his redemptive work here on earth. She has a new book that came out this week. It's called humankind. Uh, I had a great, and I always have a great conversation with Ashley. She actually was on, uh, just a couple of months ago for the entire podcast with us. She was a, a surrogate host for, uh, for an episode, um, and, uh, she's a very, very dear person and I love talking about humankind to her. So that is going to be a great conversation when you get to hear that. But before you get to that, you have to make it through the gauntlet of hot takes and, uh, Jesse lay it on me. Here's my hot take. Oh, yeah. And this one, and by the way, Ashley Elin was also, she was also on an episode of called recently. Our church leadership podcast did a great job. Oh, People that's need to right. Check that out too. Oh, yeah. She gosh. did a great job. Yeah. She's, she's, like, she, we, she's we start, yeah. We can start like put her on staff or something like that. Basically. All right. So Tyler, this, uh, you know, in in this business, we, we, we try not to do what they call punching down, right? Like, you know, it's, if you have, if you have criticism, even if it's fair Mm -hmm. criticism Mm -hmm. about uh, a a subject, you don't want to, you don't want to, uh, uh, you know, use your platform to call out stuff by, by people who, even though they, they know, they may know better, you know, aren't public figures and never ask yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. you want to tr- truth to power not just like some random person that said something down on twitter and is going to yeah. get their life ruined because of it exactly. you know what i mean like that, that's that's not what i'm doing here and and i know we've i know we've held a lot of truth to this one source of power but sometimes it it it, it sometimes this target just turns into comedy. It just, it just, he just does. And I can't help it. I can't help but have a take here. Okay. I have, I have a a feeling I know who you're talking about here, who we're coming for. Oh, let me. All right, Tyler, we have, we did not discuss this. I did not, I did not text you this morning and say, Hey dude, I need, give me, give me a few minutes on the top of the show to, to, to do my hot take. Who do you think it is, Tyler? Can you just by that introduction? Can can you give me three guesses? Cause I have one big one okay okay first let's start with who, who who's your big one the is it's president of the united states no 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 okay. no that is that i powerful? mean th- 
Yeah, well, and and to be honest, we could. That's a whole separate show. We could just do a show about holding truth to that power. Okay, so okay. so so one so strike one, strike one. Okay, uh, is it our is it our friend over there at Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr. <laughs> Who was your third guest? Just out of curiosity, maybe. Although this, although we've we've held a lot, we've tried to, we've said some harsh things in the past about uh, about Franklin Graham. That's Samaritan's yeah. Purse. But it, he, in all fairness to him, credit where it's due, the past couple of weeks, Samaritan's Purse has been very uh, helpful with the situation Look, in New York City and, and the pandemic. It's done some amazing work. And, and and listen, as 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 much as we have called out uh, uh, Franklin Graham for things he said, uh, you know, especially as he's come more aligned with the, the current White House administration, like you said, Tyler, credit works credit too. Samaritan Purse uh, still does some really great work. You and know, it's one like, of the most powerful charitable organizations the world has ever seen, and has saved thousands of lives. And full disclosure here, you know, Samaritan's Purse, the the humanitarian arm of uh, of the ministry that Franklin Graham runs was a longtime advertiser with Relevant. When we started objectively, you know, criticizing, you know, some of the things Franklin Graham has said that were, in our view, uh, uh, not in alignment with with, you know, Christian values. Samaritan's Purse ended their advertising relationship with us. So, so full disclosure there, but we're still, we can still be objective here, Tyler. We can still say, despite all of that, the work that they've done to help the victims of the coronavirus pandemic and particularly healthcare workers and, and people that are really in, in danger, that is admirable and, mm. and it deserves, you know, just as we've thrown some objective criticism at someone like Franklin Graham, I think we can give some objective praise there. And so, but the reason I bring this up with, with Jerry Falwell Jr. is not just the pile on because, but, but it's funny. Okay. I, this show, we like to laugh a little and I don't know if other people find this funny, but like, okay. And, and plus, I think Jerry Falwell Jr. can handle it. This is the Twitter bio of the president of one. One of the largest Christian universities in the world. If not, okay, the, this is the depending on the numbers you're using. It could be. It could yeah. be. Uh, this is the Twitter bio, <laughs> university president personal page. Okay, pretty standard boilerplate. You know, haters will be blocked. Okay, it, if you're if you're a university president or an executive of any <laughs> large institution, I don't suggest putting haters, haters will, will be, be blocked. blocked. You know, that doesn't seem like the type of institution that's comfortable with accountability. Haters will be blocked. And they're infamously hard on professors who like speak out about uh, what they see as 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 things that could be improved at school. Anyway, so uh, uh, Jerry Falwell and he's disputed a lot of this. There's sort of a he said, she said with his policy it leading up to the coronavirus pandemic. And even when even when it was even when stay at home orders had already been announced in large parts of the country, when a lot of college students were coming home from spring break, most colleges told their students not to come back to campus. Um, and uh, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. and the Liberty Administration um you know, let's just let I'm going to be charitable here, Tyler. They released some mixed messages about what their poli- their campus policy was. And to the point where faculty members were writing op eds, sometimes anonymously saying, 
you know, he's forcing us to come in Pretty and safe. putting us in danger. Yeah, there, there are, you know, a thousand students on campus. This is this is real danger. So so it was a whole debacle. All right. It was it was just a was debacle. A yeah, it, it was a mess because, uh, you know, Falwell would say something and then walk it back. But there, there was thou- there was about a thousand students on campus. Faculty were showing up. It was a whole mess. Okay? It was kind of a microcosm <laughs> of the U.S. response at large. It, re- <laughs> it really was. <laughs> that is a fantastic analogy there, Tyler. Uh, uh, mass confusion, mixed messages. Every, a lot of people are just confused about what we're supposed to be doing here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How dangerous is this thing? Anyway, uh, so, so report. Uh, you know, there were reporters from uh, the New York Times. There uh, were were reporters from from ProPublica, which is an investigative um, uh, uh, journalism institution, uh, did some stories about the, what's going on on campus. And part of the stories involved sending reporters and photographers to the campus to do what journalists do, which is to interview people who are, are either firsthand mm-hmm. witnesses to something or are subject to a news story, right? They want to, the, the, the job of, of, of a lot of journalists is to get primary sources. And so if you're going to need a primary source, you have to go where the primary source, sources are. In this case, the campus of Liberty University. Uh, so, Which is uh, standard, pro- standard procedure. Exactly. Point. Exactly. If if you're doing a story about something happening on a college campus, uh, and you're the New York Times, the 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 practice is to go to the campus and talk to a student there. Uh, so the New York Times and ProPublica um, uh, sent. Did you see this story, Tyler? I, I this did morning, see, I did see the broad strokes. Yes. Okay. Uh, they sent reporters there to report on this debacle. Uh, uh, and th- so over the last couple of weeks, stories have ran from ProPublica and the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, has uh, retroactively secured, worked with a, a, a you know like a local uh, a DA or or worked with local officials, and he secured arrest warrants for several of the reporters that came onto campus for reporting this story. Okay, like I said, retroactively, you know, uh, one of the photographers actually said he was confronted by a security guard, and the security guard asked him to leave campus and delete all the photos that he took. He said that in hindsight, deleting the photos were a mistake, but he was compliant. Uh, but weeks later, an arrest warrant has been secured for for these reporters who, who or a couple of the people involved in these stories uh, for going on to the campus. OK, retroactive trespassing charges. OK, they're up to punishable by up to a year in jail. All right. Now, what this does to I mean, the horses have left the barn at this point. The stories that they reported were done. So it seems nothing but vindictive at this point like they're, they're con- clearly nothing but vindictive I, I you know he's saying well it's a safety thing i can't have outsiders come coming on the game they, they've come and gone and you <laughs> open the campus okay so <laughs> let's not let's not do that but everyone is making the same joke and it's too good of a joke not to say because you, you know liberty has repeatedly uh, uh you, you know or particularly jerry Falwell jr has repeatedly said stuff that flies in the face the face of like basic gospel principles mm-hmm. after the uh, uh a shooting uh, a mass shooting in in san bernardino california a few years ago Falwell famously uh uh you know told students to bring guns 
runs mm-hmm. to campus and I'm quoting him. So, or I'm paraphrasing something he said. So, so I don't want people to, uh, uh, think that this is my words, but he said something, you know, along the lines of at their chapel service or their, I think they call it a convocation. Uh, you know, we will end those Muslims if they come, came here. And, 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 and that soundbite, uh, went viral for good reasons because a lot of people were disturbed by the implications of it. He, he meant, he, you know, he says he meant by those, you know, terrorists. But either way, that's it not. Was, I think that's general irresponsible yeah, language. And, and I think it's generally not seen as the Christian outlook. You know, like <laughs> we are told to turn our other cheek. We are told to love our enemies. You know, in the in the wake of tragedy, it's generally not what you would think as the the the, the gospel response to say, well, if that happens here, I would just end them, right? And so, uh, but <laughs> by by pursuing trespassing charges again. <laughs> Like, like I, I was reading this story this morning. And I was on like Reddit or something, and everyone was making the same joke, which is now even even the most basic prayer liberty is not following, which is uh, you know forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the headline. It's too good of a headline. Literal <laughs> liberty chooses not to forgive those who have trespassed against them. Like it's literally pursue trespassing part charge. It's too good. It's too good. It's all. It's it's parody. What's happening right now? He he. What he does a lot uh, is he'll come back with a. Well, I'm not a pastor. I'm a I'm a businessman, or I'm running a college yeah. camp. I'm an administrator, or some, something yeah. to that yeah. effect. Here, which we don't. Yeah, I've never been a pastor. I've never been ordained to unpack. Yeah. All of that, what 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 yeah. goes on there? But they deploy the like Christian ethos <laughs> really selectively when it comes to. And I want to say we say a lot about Jerry Falwell Jr. When it comes to, I've had great experiences with Liberty faculty and students. And students, Karen Swallow Pryor has been on that. Karen yeah, Swallow Pryor, I, who we who we love a lot, and students who I've interacted with with Liberty, I have always always been extremely impressed with. Uh, and, and, and enjoyed a lot. I, I live in Virginia. I live about four hours away from Lynchburg, where Liberty is located. I've gone to basketball camps there growing up. Like I've never had. Again, I, I know a lot of. I had people that I went to high school with that went to Liberty. Everyone that I know went to Liberty is awesome. Like yeah. I, I have had nothing. And I think I think the students. I think the faculty. I, I are 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 in large part awesome people. Mm. I've never heard. I've never heard one person that hired a Liberty student and didn't have great things to say about them. Yes. Like I think. I think that school produces incredible students, not uh, uh, because of its leader, but despite of its leader. But the, Tyler, again, kind uh, of a to, microcosm to, of the U.S. Yeah, in yeah. So many ways. <laughs> but but the, the excuse of I'm not a pastor. You know, so like, I, you know, yeah. I can, yeah. Hey, guess what, dude? I'm not a pastor either, <laughs> but I'm not out here advocating shooting people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like most people, most Christians aren't pastors, dude, but we still follow a book that says we're part of the mm-hmm. priesthood of believers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't just, you can't just do something or do or say something terrible and be like, it's not that big a deal. Cause I'm not a pastor. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't think so, but still, man, and you also, know, like people get, those reporters comments like they sat down and talked to him you can say i don't want to talk to a reporter and they'll leave you alone they're not gonna they're, they're not hiding a microphone under your pillow yeah right. hey two two words that work better than block haters it's no comment it's very easy and a lot less rude you know but uh well that anyway was, that's I don't my, know how hot of a take that is but i agree with it yeah i mean it, yeah it's it's not hot it's just the, the joke about you know the perfect headline yeah. about liberty choosing not to forgive those who trespass against them is, oh, well, is as just, always 
as always the op- the 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 invitation to join us here on the podcast is an is an open is a, is a wide one. open wide open <laughs> wide open we can talk about whatever and you know what i would honestly let him talk about whatever he wants and That's i would just, I just you I know just you know i wouldn't want to interrupt because i know what happens to haters he hasn't you know? blocked he blocks a lot of people but and and i am a hater and he hasn't blocked me i keep thinking well, it's the, coming the, the the other thing too is like I sometimes I don't viciously and, and and but it's not very I, Christian you know can a, I, a little hypocritical here I can I can I well can I be honest I think he kind of likes it this is me being armchair know, psychologist here oh like you know, trolling like, trolling getting yeah getting rise I think I think he likes trolling to a degree I mean he write, he'll call people like dummies and stuff like he called, he, he, he called he, the parent of a student of a couple students dummy when they yeah. are on twitter for he, he has no problem lobbing straight up juvenile insults at people it's not just like you know th- this and you know civil mm-hmm. discourse i mean he he will literally just choose to insult critics but the other thing too is like we, we you know tyler we uh we posted something not that long ago on the site and found three different incidences of either him or the falkirk institute which is his conservative uh, uh think tank with charlie falk b- b- tweeting out out quotes that were misattributed to Incorrect. people or just straight up made up like just Incorrect. fabricated you know it's like ben franklin and it's like <laughs> <laughs> liberty's the greatest university like say it, was, it wasn't like that obvious but it was stuff that like no no, no that, that either that person never said comments like i think he tried to say uh pete he buttigieg was a socialist or something like that pete buttigieg praising the values of socialism which he famously oh, does not well, well he said he he he, he intonated that pete buttigieg said that G Jesus, uh, that if you follow Jesus, you have to be a socialist. Like he, yeah. he, he, he attributed that. And then he also, uh, there was a, there was another one on the Falkirk site, but then he has a, a he has a, one of the, it's like a meme. It's a picture of Clint Eastwood and, it, right. it, and around it is, is a quote. So the image itself doesn't actually say that Clint Eastwood said this, but he, so, so around it's it, it said, yeah, something disparaging about immigrants and and, mm-hmm. and something unfounded about what immigration is. It assigned some sort of like social ill with immigration policy. And, and, and you know, Falwell retweeted and said, love this quote by Clint Eastwood, except that isn't a quote by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you just you're lying, man. Like, I don't know how he gets away with all of this. Like, I honestly don't. Yeah. And that's why I think he just likes to troll. I think he loves it. I I think he's probably listens to stuff like this and just like Mr. Burns is laughed somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just hold yeah. That's why um, we, that's why we got to keep holding the mirror. Yeah, exactly. And, and if someone tees up a one liner like that, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to knock we're, it off the, yeah. the tee box. We're, you know? we're simple people. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you want from us? What do you want from us? We're humans. We, with that, we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, the hot list. listening to at the door it's the new one from the strokes at the beginning of the podcast you heard cicada from long neck all right time for our weekly look back at the top five stories at the intersection of faith and culture this week it's time for it's the hot list the hot list it's sizzling 
right, number five this week. I love this story. Did you see this story, Jesse? The no, Ste- no, the I The Twitter account <laughs> is dropping some of the realest pandemic wisdom out there. All right, how familiar are you with Stakem, Jesse? If Int- at all, intimately. Into, intimately. Did you grow up with I, I did not grow up with Stakem. Oh, I grew up in a big time Stakem house. I mean, Stakem's a minimum three times a month minimum really i, I like steakums were a staple in my it home it was a it was a I'm, I'm sort of a johnny come lately to to say and i've still never had one okay so let, let me explain it there are thin pieces of odd meat i mean according to steakum i mean the, they're implying that steak but they're thin sheets of steak that you can basically just like cook in a pan and, and put on a sandwich and have for a philly cheesesteak type situation for like a philly yeah, like a, like a Philly cheesesteak, like a roast beef type of situation. You know, okay. I would eat steakums regularly growing up. You know, so we're, so good All on right. you, steakums. Right. So steakums. Hey, 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 I'll say this: they're a premier cheap meat brand. Gotcha. <laughs> so, premier cheap meat brand. Stakeum Twitter account is dropping some of the realest <laughs> pandemic wisdom out there. All right. So lots of brands are out there vying for your social media attention with the with the dank memes and relatable jokes and the dunks in an attempt to win your money by convincing <laughs> you that they're just like you and they're not a corporate entity. And some are more successful than others, like Wendy's obviously has got a lot of attention yeah. for being like a, a hip a hip Twitter brand. Roastmaster. Um, yeah. Exactly. But it's important to remember that these brands are not your friends and their tweets are just there to sell you stuff. Full stop. But the Stakeums Twitter account feels like, if not an exception, then at least a more nuanced version of it. Stakeum, a thin-sliced frozen steak brand, mostly as Philly cheesesteaks that's existed since the 60s, has found new life via a Twitter account that sure seems to be run by one anonymous person who's allowed to do pretty much whatever they want. And I have, uh, <laughs> since writing this, found out that it's run by a gentleman by the name of Nathan Albach. As in charge just, of the Stakeums Twitter and account. So, so, so I have I have a question about Nathan. You might sure. not know the answer to this. Is he like a random Stakeums employee, or did Stakeums, which I can't, I'm sure they're they they're like uh, under a bit large parent, you know, food brand, like, or did they did Stakeum was like, hey man, we need to go out and hire a social media person. Like, I don't know like, but, what came first. I don't know. Who or, or, or is this guy who works? He he like pat he works in the the Stakeums factory, and they're like, hey Nathan. We're going to get you to run the Twitter account, okay? So take an extra 15 at lunch and, and get some tweets out there. You know, I, I'm curious about Nathan's job here. I'm going to read I'm gonna read the thread that Nathan tweeted via the official Stakem Twitter account, okay. the blue check account in full. Okay. Uh, so it's not, it's not super long. It's a little bit of, it's like, it's like uh, we got six tweets here. All right. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is all from, this is via Stakem, the frozen steak company. <clears throat> This is an unprecedented moment in modern history full of difficult decisions for everyone, from politicians to businesses to workers in every field. Every decision has consequences. None of it's fair or ideal. All we can do is fight for the best possible outcomes together. Not everyone has the chance to stay home and social distance in this crisis. Millions of working class people are still keeping food stores stocked, warehouses shipping, and other necessary institutions operational. Be thankful for those who wish they could be home safe right now. If your basic needs are met and you're working from home, you have more access to information to keep you and your loved ones safe. Let this grant you patience with those less fortunate who may not have the same access to understand the scope and severity of this crisis. We need solidarity in order to come through this more united than divided. The pandemic is politicized, as every major crisis is. So the question is this. How can we react to that politicization in a way that slows 
slows tribalism and inspires understanding. What small steps can we take? One step we can all take is becoming more sensitive to rhetoric. How we refer to each other is foundational. We can still point out lies, misinformation, and the like, but with the intent of helping bridge the gap between people rather than demonizing or otherizing them. It's the best. It's best to focus on small ways we can make an impact. Can you spread credible information to those in need? Can you spare groceries for your neighbor? Can you check in with someone who's struggling with isolation? Can you organize social pressure for positive change? We can offer entertainment and relationship. Some people are so glued to their devices right now that any mention of what's happening is instant dread. They need distractions, jokes, drama, food. Some people aren't tuned in enough, and they need help finding credible resources. No one is perfect. It's impossible to keep up with the latest facts, relevant news, and still be a loving, available person with a job. Mistakes will be made, and that's okay. That's why we need humility and understanding to admit our uncertainties while still speaking truth and love. Our future is hinging on the decisions of today, whether it's policy being passed or a phone call to a loved one or a tweet on Twitter.com. Our actions matter. And as toxic as online discourse can be, we have to fight for better relationships, information, and legislation. There's never going to be a utopian world where differences disappear. Life is politics and politics is fighting, but we can work toward a more mutual understanding so the fights are more against systemic problems rather than our neighbors. Be good to each other. It's always in you. Into okay. an thread. Yeah. The, that that is just one Can, of like five Twitter threads. That that was more that was more informative and comforting and uh, provided greater context for this crisis than any of those afternoon press conferences I've seen from the White House <laughs> in a long time. Like honestly, like you had like there's been officials up there. Like Fauci's great when he takes the mic, but then you have like a, a like a, a, a White House person or like a Jared Kushner like come here. Like I don't even hello. know what's happening. The, the I have no guy. idea. What, yeah, I have no idea. What's, if they're going to give my pillow guy, if they're going to let him go up there and, and look, I've never slept on one of his pillows. They could be great pillows. I hear good things. But, I hear good things. I'm not a, I'm not but a I don't know liar. why. I don't know why he's I don't know why the MyPillow.com guy is at the mic during, you know, giving America advice on the pandemic. I don't know why. But if he can get a spot, why not have it now? The Steakums guy. The Steakums <laughs> like, media. He just, and he just walks out in the Rose Garden wearing like a Steakums shirt tucked into khakis. And he's like, listen, America, my fellow Americans, I come to you from the Steakums headquarter saying I have a, a message <laughs> that America needs. A, why not? Why not get Steakums guy out there, man? Like, I, I I seriously see no good reasons that if the MyPillow guy can get up on in the Rose Garden at the White House and, and tell us and give us his take why we can't get Steakums Nate to, to be out it there. It feels too. like Steakum has sort of the blue collar appeal. Steakums is like a, you know, it's a working class food. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't the California and look, role. <laughs> and look, I mean, <laughs> at this point, the, the November elections have shaken out to two candidates that are pretty polarizing. And there's a lot of people who, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making a comment here. I'm just saying, I think if you read any political analysis, there are a lot of people who aren't crazy about either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Why not have steak, Steakums Nate? As a dark horse in this late? race. Yeah. Is it too late to the, throw the your stake right in the Steakums guy? He's, I mean, he's Steakums guy. I can't remember his name, but he works at Steakum. <laughs> I know he works at Steakum. Okay. So we know that. Okay. Write that in. I trust you. Steakums like, I trust guy. They know. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They know how to slide in his DMs. Hey, hey, Steakums guy. Love your tweet. By the way, you were just elected president of the United States. We're going to need your last name. <laughs> All right.
<laughs> Number four this week, John Krasinski virtually reunited the original Hamilton cast to surprise a nine-year-old fan. All right. So as you may have seen, John Krasinski and his wife, Emily Blunt, have been deploying their charm and connections to bring a weekly home YouTube show called Some Good News as counter-programming to the bad news out there. It's wholesome. It's very DIY. Um, but on Sunday, the celeb couple really pulled out the stops to entertain a nine-year-old fan named Aubrey. Aubrey had tweeted about her disappointment and missing a planned New York trip to see Broadway hit Hamilton live. So Krasinski and Blunt brought her on to announce they'd be flying her out on their own dime post-quarantine. That's pretty nice on its own. But then Hamilton creator and star Lin-Manuel Miranda dropped into Zoom to emphatically up the stakes. And he brought the entire original cast for the world's largest and probably most complicated Zoom call to perform uh, the opening number from Hamilton. Here's a uh, you, here's a clip of it. We're sending her to New York, Lynn, and we're going to send her to Hamilton in New York. Well, that's amazing. Um, I, I think we can top that right now, though. Oh, wait. Something. Oh, wait, oh, wait, sorry. There are a bunch of people just joining. That's my favorite song from Hamilton. How does it? The orphan son of a and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor grow up to be a hero and a scholar a ten dollar founded father without a father got a lot father by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being the self-starter by 14 they placed him in charge of a trading charter and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up inside he was longing for something to be a part of the brother was ready to beg steal borrow or barter then a hurricane came and devastation reigned our man saw his future drip dripping down the drain put a pencil to his temple connected it to his brain and he wrote his first refrain a testament to his pain the word got around and said this kid is insane man took up a collection just to send it to the mainland get your education don't forget from whence you came and the world's gonna know your name what's your name man alexander hamilton my name is alexander hamilton and there's a million things i haven't done just you wait, just you wait. When he was ten, his father split full of Everyone in there is very charming. You know, yeah. Krasinski. It's a winsome, uh, it's a winsome bunch of yeah. wholesome energy. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, man. <laughs> Zoom. Zoom is, it, this is. It, it, we're, living in, it, we're living in its world. This is Zoom's world now. You know, <laughs> I had done a handful of Zoom calls uh, leading up to this. It's life in Zoom now. Yeah. Our lives are lived in Zoom right now and i mean the, the even even our pop culture it's all zoom it's zoom's world now well, did you man see it, tomorrow uh saturday night live is doing a zoom zoom episode no doing, i yeah. did not she, see that yeah that's they just who's announced hosting? late last night who's hosting they we, we don't know much that's about as much as they may not know themselves right now I, yeah i get the impression this came together very quickly but they are going to be hosting an snl from home episode and the picture they released was just the entire cast all from their zoom their, their yeah. zoom windows uh and yeah. i don't know if we have a host i don't know if there's gonna I, be a I musical I, guest i, I feel have like the opportunity listen, for this I, to go awry is pretty high but i'm yeah I'm, I'm excited i i can already see i already have a suggestion if they don't have a host and i'm pretty sure he's available like just imagine this in the voiceover 
and Kate McKenna, Colin Jost, and tonight's host, the Stakeums Guy. <laughs> now, live from New York, the Stakeums Guy, and he just comes out. You know, and he just he just does this thing, man. And he just zooms it to America and and everyone feels better because Stakeham's guy. I would feel you know? I'm, I'm, I think this would be an opportunity. Also, don't you think because I you hear about Zoom bombing, like people who yes. you, you can hack into Zoom. And it yeah. feels like I guess you just really, punch in or you just punch in a random number, I guess. And see what you know? it, it like, feels like this would yeah. be an opportunity. If ever you wanted to somebody was going to get Zoom bombed, this could be your chance for some enterprising, even slightly yes. tech-savvy young comedian to really yeah. get on SNL. You don't have to even storm the stage. Like, you don't have yeah. to run into Rockefeller Center. You can just you can just yeah. jump in the call. And maybe if they like you, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Bring your A-game if you do it. Yeah, America's right. watching. Uh, number three this week, uh, Bibles are seeing a little coronavirus bump. In sales right now, the mm. Christian Post reports that while pandemic season self-isolation guidelines have taken a toll on the U.S. economy, one industry is in the middle of a small boom. Tyndale House publishers saw a 44% increase in sales in their Life Application Study Bible and a 60% bump in their popular Immerse Bible over the same month last year. Tyndale is also seeing online engagement with its social media posts explode, engagement of the company's Bibleverse memes tripling over last March and up 72% from the previous month. Jim Jewell, an exec, told the Post, it's not surprising that people turn to the comfort and clarity of the Bible in times of trouble and uncertainty. Likewise, Alabaster Company, remember Alabaster? They do those yeah. really artfully designed kind of kinfolky yeah, type. They're of, awesome. Yeah, 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 they're really cool. Uh, they reported a 143% boost in sales over last year. Co-founder Brian Chung told Fox News, quote, people are looking for hope and restoration. Even amidst suffering and financial hardship, we've continued to see people engage with Alabaster by utilizing our free resources and purchasing Bibles as encouraging gifts for loved ones. We believe people are buying Bibles because there's a longing to connect with God, find meaning, and experience peace. Well, that's kind of you hate to you don't you don't want to yeah. look for light for positive news at the expense of obviously all the very sad news going around, the very real substantive sad news. But but uh, I'm glad these guys are seeing uh, seeing a boost in yeah. sales, and I hope people hope this is meaningful for people. I do too. I you know obviously people are looking for wisdom. They're looking for insight. They're looking for things to comfort them and give them some sort of spiritual um uh refuge during mm-hmm. this time. And I think that's why this story is so encouraging. And by this story, I mean people turn into steakum and <laughs> and see what they can do. <laughs> I can't, I can't. No, it's awesome. I I do think uh, think a lot of people are, you know, looking for answers. And obviously, we're big advocates of the Bible here. And and I I think it's great that that, that people are engaging with the Bible more right now, you know? I I do too. And I do, I do wonder, and this could just show the, the culture, the cultural bubble I was raised in. But who out there is like, you know, I should really give that Bible a shot. Like who at this point is like, like, did they not have one or do they not know that you can, that it's easily readily available, probably the most available book of all time. 
that you can find the entirety of it on the internet easily. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I, I, in my house growing up, I I never had less than like six Bibles in the the household. Probably using like prop open windows. They were (laughs) (laughs) just everywhere. Yeah. But Hey, I think dude, again, and well, and and that, but I think it also says something about uh, the demographic, the people that are buying these Bibles are probably people who haven't been exposed to a lot of scripture before. So that's even more encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's untold there's untold numbers of people who have Bibles sitting around that just haven't engaged with them in a while mm-hmm. that have decided to dust them back off just like because of the, this. Blow the dust off the cover and, and crack it open. Yeah. There's, some, yeah, there's exactly. some good stuff in there, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Contrary to popular I opinion. So. Yeah. I, I have right. I have I have one that has great commentary that I really like. Um Stakeums released it last year and <laughs> well, I mean they, go, they, they re- the, the Stakeums <laughs> application life bible and uh you know it it re- study study bible and uh <laughs> it's like that teen study bible from the 90s it yeah. looks just uh, like that it's black it's with like purple, cool pink yeah, yeah purple <laughs> fluorescent flare on it uh uh yeah but man i mean that stakem guy he goes into he the hebrew it. the he greek i mean it's re- i get to the you do the core of it you know you see it's supernatural his understanding it's, it's, it's like unbelievable it's unbelievable me. yeah i can't believe it Number two this week, back in 2006, Anthony Fauci wrote about how his religious upbringing makes him a better doctor. All right. So while the government response to the coronavirus pandemic has weathered plenty of criticism, White House health advisor and coronavirus task force member Dr. Anthony Fauci has been a reassuring presence. He's a medical expert and gifted communicator and has a knack for stressing the urgency of the moment without sounding panicky, anticipating Americans' questions about the pandemic and answering them in a measured but forceful way. The physician who has been advising the White House since the Reagan administration has become a bit of a star. As noted by Georgetown's father, David Collins, Fauci is a practicing Catholic and is often referred to the value of his Jesuit education in his current field. In 1989, he told the director of the NIH historical office that, quote, I credit very much the Jesuit training in precision of thought and economy of expression in solving and expressing a problem and in the presentation of a solution in a very succinct, accurate way. He said, quote, this has had a major positive influence on the fact that I enjoy very much and am fairly good at being able to communicate scientific principles or principles of basic and clinical research without getting very profuse or off on tangents. He wrote a little more about that uh, in a a book that came out just a few years ago about the value of his Jesuit education and uh, and the principles that guide him, which I I thought what was interesting about this is how this was not a vague answer, which he's, which he is good at is being specific. Yeah. It's not just like, Oh, my faith gives me hope in times of in darkness and answers yeah. to those biggest questions, which I'm, which I'm sure is true, but also like expressing on a practical level, how his Jesuit upbringing has helped him, uh, just being better to communicate and express difficult concepts in a, yeah. in a more succinct, easy way, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's what, you know, uh, a while back we talked to Malcolm Gladwell about mm-hmm. um, how he kind of uh, went, did a deep dive on the Jesuit idea of casuistry, which is a way right, of yeah. look, looking at problems uh, that strips it of all sort of agendas and really gets down to the nuance of um, uh, practical solutions, moral solutions, finding ethical means to solve problems. And and I think that's kind of borne out in, in, in how Fauci has approached this crisis. Crisis. You know, another another interesting Fauci tidbit I read uh, this week um, that I found interesting 
is that in high school he was the captain of the varsity basketball team right, yeah. and actually put up some actually put up some good numbers and I did not see that like I don't <laughs> can you imagine Dr. Fauci who we've all seen as like the, you know America's cool scientist uh-huh. doctor friend you know yeah. like he's, he's not he a kinda, tall he's not a he's, he's not, not like tall. an athletic he, build he's kind of like a slight guy he's you know prone to very professorial looking can you imagine just crossing cats up just breaking ankles and dropping trays <laughs> out there that was him dude that was like i i want like old school house of highlight stuff on instagram of fauci just like like i said you know cutting through the lane you know dropping you know little floaters i i i want to see it i need to see the fauci highlight <laughs> the fauci basketball game i, I yeah. think we do i think we're good because I don't think we need any more. Like the his stardom is going pretty well. Every you know people. Yeah, think we don't need stars. going to his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. He's, he's, we need we need Fauci to stay grounded. Yeah. Speaking of going to his head, number one this week, Kanye, Mariah Carey, and Tyler Perry will join Joel Osteen's virtual Easter service. All right. So like your church, hopefully Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church will be ringing in Easter Sunday virtually this week. But unlike your church, probably Lakewood is doing so with a bunch of huge stars. Kanye and his Sunday service choir will be there along with Tyler Perry and Mariah Carey. Osteen tells TMZ, who broke this story, that West and the choir will be social distancing for their performance That'd be quite a feat, but you know, Hamilton did it. So we'll see if they can pull it off too. Also, apparently Mariah was the one who reached out to Osteen about putting together a special virtual tribute for healthcare workers. Kanye appeared at Lakewood last year for a Q and a session with Osteen and a a Sunday service performance and and apparently have a friendship that stretches back at least a few months before that. The two have plenty in common, including an affinity for some props for the prosperity gospel teaching. So this is, I feel like at this point we're stretching the definition of church to a to to new sort of experimental levels here with this. Yeah, I and but to me, and this is not to go on a rabbit trail here. To me, I think that's a good thing. To me, I think I, I'm not saying that obviously the pandemic is not a good thing. Obviously, you know, I, that's not what my, I'm implying. But I do think it's good to rethink what church is, and yeah, I, I, and I'm not gonna, you know, I think. <clears throat> Joel Osteen is can be an easy target, as can Kanye. Um, but I'm not going to disparage people for wanting to have a virtual Easter service. Oh, you know no. what I mean? I mean, I'm planning on, like, I'm planning on tuning into my church's uh, yeah. virtual Easter service. And I hope I hope tons and tons of people tune into Mariah Carey, Kanye, Tyler Perry, and Joel Osteen. Like you said, you might be able to pick apart some of their personal theologies. But it's going to be hard to mess up an Easter message. Like if more people can be exposed to the Easter story, great. That's that's a great thing, if, you know. If, yeah, and I have no idea what Joel Osteen's going to say because I have heard him say yeah. some things that I'm not that I would not agree with and would not consider to be part of uh, yeah. gospel teaching. If he if he doesn't do that tomorrow, I, I just don't know. I just I feel like there are going to be plenty of virtual options for anybody who wants an Easter service tomorrow. Yeah, most of them will not have Kanye or Mariah. Admittedly, yeah. Tyler Perry. I don't really know Tyler Perry. I had a, we've interviewed Tyler Perry. I, I think yeah, I'm yeah. yeah. a good guy. Um, but uh, but I think that there are other sources, other places that might be a little more uh, trustworthy with handling yeah. the Easter story. You know what I mean? And if you yeah. and, and I would hope that those play like I, like church I home. did. 
Yeah, yeah. Church Home's great. We had Jude on just a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and he and, and and he was really really encouraging. And they have lots of cool stuff. Either way, find a place to watch an Easter service. Oh, like yeah. even if you even if your home church maybe not be broadcasting, even if it is stretching your idea of what church is, find somewhere online to watch an Easter service. I think it's good advice. And I just saw this, Tyler. Uh, there's a new addition to the lineup along with Joel Osteen, Mariah Carey, Tyler Perry, Kanye. Stakem's guy's going to be there oh, too. Well, I doing take a it little. Back. I will. I will so, be there. He's doing it. He's. <laughs> Doing a you deep, can't keep me away from a stake from the from the He's doing a sermon. deep dive into the her, uh, hermeneutics of the passion story. And uh, wow, wow. I, I mean, stuff. he goes deep. He goes deep. He goes, <laughs> I've never thought about it like that before. <laughs> stake him, Sky. All right, that'll wrap it up for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ashley Eland joins us. Listening to Held Down, it's by Laura Marling. Well, Ashley Eland is a leader, pastor, writer, and Bible teacher who exists to join God in his redemptive work here on earth. Her work has one purpose to help humanity build bridges back to the truth of who God is and between one another in redemptive healing relationship. Her passion for scripture, family, writing, elevating women in the church, and the holy journey of adoption are core to who she is. Ashley serves as the formation and preaching pastor at Mars Hill Bible Church in Grand Rapids. She and her husband, Delwyn, have three kids, Brooklyn, Miles, and Journey. Uh, I've always enjoyed my conversations with Ashley. This was no exception. Been very excited for this book for a long time. Um, the first thing I wanted to know is <laughs> probably what's on uh, everyone's mind, was certainly on hers, was what it's like to release a book during a pandemic and how this had, if at all, changed the the sense of what it was like to release this book. And she thought, and I agree, that uh, while she didn't know this was happening, obviously, a lot of the lessons in humankind were sort of weirdly uh, prescient. Here's some of her reflections on that. I was just almost reflecting on my own work because two years ago, I read this and wrote this book differently than I, than I see it and experience it right now. Um, and so, for example, the themes of safety, um, like there's a, a chapter in the book about safe spaces and safe people. I feel like that's relevant for today. Um, there's a a theme in there about understanding where um, it's about how to have a hard conversation that keeps humanity intact. And I feel like both politically um, and through the lens of a pandemic, um, we are still trying to figure out what it means to understand one another. And now even more so that we all have um, different environments in which we're operating. And so like, how does that lend itself to uh, more understanding um, and there's a there's a chapter about risk and what it looks like to draw closer in proximity. But for now, when physical proximity isn't possible, what does it look like to take relational risks um, for the sake of building healthy and um, constructive human relationships? But that's a huge question right now, too. So I think in, on one hand, this is like the worst time to release a book. And on the other hand, I so 
am in awe of God's providence and his timing to say, this actually provides more space for people to take a deeper dive than maybe they would have if um, there were more different, you know, if there were different distractions. Ashley is a, she's a studier. She, she loves to read. She loves the word. She has a lot of things that she could be writing about. She was interested in kindness, particularly right now at a time when there is a distinct lack of kindness, uh, especially in the public sphere. So I was curious about not only why she decided to write a book about kindness with humankind, but also about uh, the, the framing. Oh, what did, what did she want to say about being kind? And I thought her answer was very interesting. I think at that point, I was really tapping into the narrative overall arc of scripture and saying, you know what? I think there's something here that is pointing us back to each other's stories again. And if it's true that, you know, some of us have to go first, if we're going to invite others to become more open with our stories, then I think I need to go first in a way. Um, And so I did very reluctantly um, I feel like I've had a really sustained um, vulnerability hangover. It's been like a year-long vulnerability hangover. And now even more so, I, I feel a level of low-grade anxiety knowing that, you know, my story's just kind of out there, um, some parts of it. But to say, okay, I really want to write about kindness, and I really want to weave it through um, the structure of story, because that's how I want people to talk about it. I don't want people to cite facts and figures and percentages and data. I want people to open up their lives. And I want people to um, be curious about other people's lives. And I want people uh, to um, re-engage um, present, um, yeah, present witness with one another in this landscape. I think one thing that gets in the way of us being kind sometimes is our conviction that we're right and that what we're saying is important. And it's easy to sacrifice things like kindness when you're trying to say something that you think really matters and needs to be said. Uh, So I wanted to know how she balances in her own life being kind with telling the truth about things that matter. And uh, I, I think her answer was very, very wise. I think part of what we're experiencing is a lot of people becoming more clear and vocal in their conviction of what, um, but not really paying as much attention to and giving as much thought to the how. Um, and so this, I think this project is, um, is kind of getting at the how a little bit more than the what of saying, yeah, I'm less interested in the what you believe I am more interested in the how we approach that belief uh, and, and how we uh, keep intact um, core convictions that perhaps I hope we can all agree upon, and that's especially if you profess Christ, that it is true that each person is made in the image and likeness of God. Full stop. Okay, so now where do we go from there? I think we've, I think we've lost some of the big rocks of the core convictions of our humanity, and we've become so focus on the myopic pieces of conviction that we've lost sight for the larger unifying threads of who we are um, before God. That was Ashley. Humankind is out now.
You're listening to The Longing by Dream Syndicate. What I'm longing for, frankly, is for Chandler to come back. Yeah, so, I know. So, I, I thought you were going to say you're longing for a Stakem, but I'm well, longing I, for a Stakem and I'm, for Chandler, I'm longing, too. I'm not longing for Stakems. Can I say this, Tyler? If you do want to start experimenting with Stakems, <laughs> I would suggest checking on your toilet paper supply first. Okay, that's good you don't want to wanna, you, you don't wanna be with that. That's a problem. I'm, I'm sorry. Mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to take them more for the for the spiritual sustenance than the physical yeah. sustenance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, because it can really wreak havoc on your insides if you didn't grow up on it and you don't have the Stakem antibodies. Then I would I would proceed with caution. I would proceed okay. with caution. <laughs> All right, time for another round of Jesse and I's uh, new segment, Quarantine Rex segment, where we yeah. tell you what we've been watching uh, and, and enjoying while we've been locked down, the me that we've been going through. Uh, Jesse, this was your idea this week, and, and we're moving, we're veering into your lane a little bit. And I'm, I'm in unfamiliar waters, but I'm going to do my best here. You suggested uh, Sports Rex. So what are those? That's since right. Sports, since sports it, are, since we can't watch sports. That, well, right. that's the thing. I really miss sports right yeah. now. I, I, I spend a, a tremendous amount of time watching sports. I've said this before. It was recently opening day for baseball, uh, basketball. Season, the NBA season would be hitting, you know, would be heating up. We, we would just have crowned the new NCAA college basketball champion. You know, we, we would have been able to see the final round of the Masters this weekend. So it's tough not having sports. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a convenient problem to have. It's, you know, I mean, things can be a lot worse, but I do miss watching sports. So I thought it'd be fun to recommend a couple of sports movies. Teller, I have two picks that people can watch on Netflix. I try to make, I try to, well, I'll say this one they can watch on Netflix, one they can find online okay. uh, for free. Uh, the first one is a high school football documentary called Undefeated. And it actually was nominated for Academy Award when it was released. It's a few years old. Um, and the story is honestly like it, 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 it has a lot of tropes that you see in sports movies, but the thing is it's true. And it's about a, a kind of underfunded high school. I believe it's in Memphis. Um, and their football program that is really struggling. Uh, but a, a, it has a, a kind of a hard nosed coach that is also a local business person who pretty much is just doing the high school football coach thing because he loves okay. football and he really gets invested in the, these kids lives. And it's it's a it's a film about uh, not just, you, you know, underfunded public schools, which is sort of an undertone of the movie and kind of seeking justice for these kids that live in, you know, some areas that are more economically struggling than others. But it's also a film about the power of bringing people together under a united cause. And this cause happens to be let's try to win some football games together. It's a really beautiful movie. Even if you're not into football, the kids in this movie, like I said, it's a documentary are awesome and inspiring and and I definitely recommend people check it out. It's called Undefeated. It's on Netflix. Cool. The other one you can you can watch on PBS.org. Uh, I just checked it. I just double checked this morning. It's up for free. Uh, I think it, I believe it's in its entirety. And that's saying something because it is hours and hours and hours and hours and hours long. It is Ken Burns' uh, uh, multi-part uh, docu-series about the history of baseball. It's Ken Burns baseball. And I will say this, Tyler. Have you ever watched Ken Burns? Have you ever done have like a full some, Ken, Burns. Ken Burns? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does like 10 hour documentaries. You yeah, know? but they're, uh, but they, I wouldn't say flyby. It's not like that. But they're episodic. But they're episodic. Not, but it's time well spent. 
Yeah. His his uh, uh, film about the history of baseball um, that, like I said, is episodic and, and starts hundreds of years ago and goes up until almost contemporary uh, times um, is a meditative watch. Anything you watch with Ken Burns, the music is soft. The the, the editing is slow. You know, uh, the the interviews are thoughtful. It's a great thing to put on TV and kind of just calm down and kind of have a little time of reflection about a part of history that even if you're not into baseball, it's interesting just for the social and and historical implications. So Ken Burns baseball, you can watch it for free on PBS. Uh, I wanted to recommend, and like I said, this is, uh, we're a little outside of my lane here, but this is a movie I, I do. There's a lot of sports movies that I do really like. I think the, the yeah. drama of sports lends themselves really well to movies. And one that came out on Netflix just last year, uh, that kind of flew under the radar despite having a pretty high pedigree. It was directed by, by Steven Soderbergh, who's obviously a very accomplished filmmaker, really yeah. great filmmaker, uh, high flying bird, uh, follows a little more of kind of the behind the scenes of professional sports, sports agents. Yeah. And uh, some of how the the sausage is made, and uh, it was shot entirely on an iPhone, which Soderbergh is doing now. He he likes shooting things on iPhones entirely. You really can't tell, uh, and it's just a cracking story. I, yeah. I enjoy more the behind the scenes of how uh, people are made and the business structure behind it, and and it it, it both. Uh, kind of informs and exposes some uncomfortable realities of the sports industry, but it's not an uncomfortable movie. It's very entertaining no, it's, and, and it's very super entertaining. engaging, and uh, it ends up being a, a really fun story that that uh, prompted, at least for me, a lot of thoughts about what is this industry and and how does yeah. it work and and the way that it's become a foundational, I would say, part of American life right now. All the more interesting because it's one we don't have at the moment. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. one we're going without for the time being. And I don't know what they're doing over on ESPN right now, just sitting around. Well, they, they're playing a lot. They're they're actually playing a lot of like iconic old games, old, yeah, which sure, is sure, which is kind of cool actually. You know, I you know watching games that you saw maybe when you were a kid or or only heard about. You can you know ESPN is just playing them in, in their entirety uh which is which has been kind of cool here but yeah i agree anything steven soderbergh does is worth watching including high flying birds especially if you're if you miss college basketball in the nba right now uh definitely want to check that one out it's a great movie yeah yeah and uh i think with that uh chandler's not back but we're just gonna have to we're just we're just gonna have to we'll soldier we'll figure something else out well uh well hey i want to i do want to thank ashley for joining us humankind is out now it's a great read and uh it's it's one of those books she didn't plan on it coming out during a pandemic but it's the message has become even more uh probably yeah, poignant absolutely. and relevant now the so it's worth checking out and, and following her as well also make sure you subscribe to relevant daily to bring you the top three stories every single day in a section of faith and culture you can subscribe to that on our apple podcast page and uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. For Chandler String. Have a great, safe weekend, everyone. Have a happy Easter. And we will see you on Monday. I've reached the stage where I want to explain myself in a spotlight in my mind. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. 
Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Connected imagery and troubled symmetry. I want to write about every color I've seen. But when I write, become self-deprecating. And tonight's host, the Stakeums Guy. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 